Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. In Luke 18, verse 35 through 43, Jesus heals a blind beggar near Jericho. As he approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting um, by the roadside begging. And when he heard a crowd going by, he asked, what was happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Then he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who were in front sternly ordered him to be quiet. But he shouted even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Jesus, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight. Your faith has saved you. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, praised God. This is the word of God. Uh, Good morning, y'all. How are you? Uh, My name is Brittany, and I'm the pastor here today. Well, every day. And... um, (laughs) The first thing I want to do is thank Demetrius for his testimony, especially when I asked him, his response was, I'm terrified of public speaking, but yes, I'll do it. And what a beautiful testimony, right? Yeah. Um, He said many rich things, um, but one thing that caught my attention right at the beginning is that he came, so we're going to be doing this evangelism thing which is awesome because it gets us out on the streets. It, um, it, it gets people to know about who UVC is. Um, I think marketing people say that you need like seven touch points before you end up doing something, whether it's buy a Coca-Cola or go to a church. Um, and Demetrius named two of his touch points were the L ride and Facebook. So never underestimate, like if you guys, uh, I noticed we used to have people all the time check in on Facebook and it's kind of, um, never underestimate, it's kind of passive evangelism, but never underestimate that you have a friend or a friend of a friend that might see that and it just kind of gets filed away in their brain. So if you haven't checked in already, get your phones out and check in. Um, I'm like a diva princess, and this stand is too high. Is, is this how I make it low? I need my old, I need my old podium. The... Okay, that's fine. It's fine. I'm just going to, okay, there we go. There we go. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. I don't know why, but that, mm. okay. So let us start with prayer. Prayer. 
God, it has been a week. Uh, we gather together in this worship space. It feels like a shelter in the midst of a storm. We gather because the world is sometimes so overwhelming, we don't know what else to do but to come together and be reminded of who you are and what you do. Open our ears and our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our soul and our strength to the reading of this word. That my words might be acceptable and pleasing and joyous to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago before the cold that just arrived set in, I spent a good part of a Sunday afternoon planting bulbs. We live on a corner, and there's a fence that goes around the whole corner. And for several years, I thought, oh, it would be so great if there were, like, flowers that came up all along the fence. I had this vision. Um, But every fall would go by, and the thought of planting tons of bulbs um, always caused me to not do it. But uh, this summer, I saw a great deal on bulbs at Costco. And so I ended up on impulse buying 50 tulips and 50 daffodil bulbs. And they've been sitting in my garage all summer. So in the fall, I finally said, i got to get this done. Ruby and I set about organizing a pattern to group them into clusters along the fence. Um, And then she deserted me to go watch My Little Pony. And I started digging uh, the dirt six inches down and carefully planting these 100 bulbs into the ground. That day, two weeks ago, I knew that the first frost was near, um, that it would kill all of my remaining tomatoes and kale and parsley, that I would need to dig up my last carrots that I had planted and snip off the heads of my marigolds to save them for seeds for the next year. I knew that within a couple of weeks, everything would be dead from the frost. And it would be the beginning of this barren time we call winter. Death was ahead, and when I, yet when I finished planting the bulbs, I couldn't help but think of that misattributed Martin Luther quote, even if I knew that tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. Has anybody heard that before? Even if I knew the world would tomorrow go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. Even with the possibility, even knowing that death was ahead, we still live in this hope and promise of a better tomorrow. Just a quick glance at our news stories um, that have made headlines this last week. I see stories of, lots of stories of sexual misconduct. There were soldiers that were killed uh, last Sunday shooting in a church the strife that we're experiencing in North Korea, this barrage of bad news doesn't seem to end. And that's just the news that makes the headlines, right? We all have our own personal stories of pain, of death, of loss of loved ones, of loss of relationship, of loss of jobs. There's so much weighing us down. Is that true for you all? Yeah? That we have to have a change of perspective, we need uh, the lens that we look through as like people that live in the world, we need to look through a new lens, and that's the lens of hope. The way that we face this world of chaos and turmoil is to stand boldly rooted in hope. 
Our scripture today speaks of many things. It speaks of persistence, it speaks of faith, and it also speaks of hope. The word hope is not actually in the scripture passage, but we see it lived out in this blind man. He is someone whose life has been difficult because of his loss of vision. He's most likely had to rely on others for everything that he needs. He has had to beg to get by. So day after day, he shows up on the streets begging, hoping for crumbs of the passers-by. Then one day, he hears that Jesus of Nazareth is going to be walking by. He's heard the rumors of his healings, that he maybe might be the Messiah. And so full of hope, he shouts out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh man, those around him are mortified. Don't embarrass this town, they say. Why are you drawing attention to yourself? You're supposed to be in the background. But even more loudly, he boldly shouts, son of David, have mercy on me. The audacity of this man. <laughs> the audacity of his hope. As President, former President Obama has said, hope is audacious. It is bold. Most people think of hope as merely a wish or as simple optimism. But Christian hope is different Uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu says, hope is being able to see that there is light despite all the darkness. Christian hope is an assurance that there is something bigger that makes sense than what we are currently in. It's the assurance that even though things might not work out as we want them, that it's still worth the cost to pursue them. Hope is, as Michael Downey says, a sense of what might yet be. It strains ahead, seeking a way behind and beyond every obstacle. And this is what our tradition calls us to live in, bold hope. When we're in the midst of a struggle, be it a personal struggle or, you know, just look at the news, anything going on in the world, Hope is what allows us to move forward. It gives us the endurance to continue on because we see our present situation for what it is. It is the present situation. But we have a promise of a future that is much greater. We know that God has already entered into that pain and suffering and will always meet it with resurrection, with restoration, with renewal. This is true for you personally, And it is true for the whole world. We we see in scripture that God is making all things new. I took a class in seminary um, about the 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich. She had uh, 16 mystical visions and contemplations all around the ideas of universal love and hope. Now, historically, I think it's important to name that she had these visions at a time of of massive plague. Um, There was religious schism all over, and there was war. So actually, it was probably like if 24-hour news cycles were around then, um, it was probably likely that people would have been more overwhelmed by what was going on then than by what we are experiencing 
in our 24 news cycle, even though we feel really overwhelmed, if that makes sense. And so Mother Julian, in this time, she wrote a book called Showings. And it was about this experience, these 16 mystical visions and contemplations. The book was the only textbook for my class. So um, academically speaking or workload speaking, it was the easiest class I had in seminary. I just had to read the book two times. And then I just had to write a one-page reflection about something that caught my attention um, in the reading, every, every class preparation. So pretty easy, because you know you could, like, if you didn't want to read it through two times, I'm not saying that that's what I did, but you could just like open the page and read something and then riff on it for a writing, right? Like it was pretty easy. Because in school, I was used to reading things for information, right? You read it, you download the information, and you regurgitate. But what my professor was asking us to do was to read this book for transformation. And so I will say that the experience of that class and the words of Mother Julian have continued to transform and shape me more than any other class I took in seminary. Don't tell my other professors. One line of hope that is often quoted and that continues to be something for me personally to sink further and further into comes from uh, Mother Julian's 13th vision. In this vision, Julian is in conversation with Jesus, and she is struggling to understand why sin has not been prevented. Because her, in her mind, if sin had been prevented in the first place, then all would be well, right? If we didn't have sin, all would be well. And Jesus answers her tenderly. He says, it was necessary that there should be sin, but all shall be well. And all shall be well. And all manner of thing shall be well. Y'all, this is Christian hope. All shall be well. Our current situation does not determine our future. All shall be well. We may seem lost and beside ourselves, but we worship a God who answered the death of Jesus, the pain of Jesus and his friends, the loss of Jesus, the sin that it took for that crucifixion. We meet a God who answers all of that with resurrection. All shall be well. This is a profoundly powerful message. Like, I just say it, all shall be well, and, and it's something easy to memorize, but it's a whole lot harder to let sink into our souls. Because, see, hope is not an automatic response. We hear these words of assurance, but, but how do we actually trust in them? How do we let them sink into our being? I think that this kind of hope, it takes practice. We don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I think I'm going to be hopeful. I notice in the text of the blind man, uh, he says, Lord, let me see again. So this blind man has once seen he has an idea or a vision of what could be. 
He says, Lord, let me see again. His hope for restoration was based on what he knew was possible in the future. His loss of vision had been a struggle uh, that he must have fallen into, not one he was born with, but a time of struggle and pain and suffering. And in the midst of that, it produced endurance for him and therefore hope. Romans 5.25 tells us that hope is produced by endurance through suffering, and it also is the inspiration behind endurance and suffering. It's kind of both and. So this man, he didn't become bitter and jaded. He turned his suffering and pain into hope of what could be. When we suffer, when we experience pain, we can either let it warp our worldview and we can become a curmudgeon of a person in this world who actually transmits our pain to others. Or we can sit in that pain. Maybe it's in the news, all of the sexual misconduct is bringing up a memory for us. We can sit in that pain. Maybe the news of a loss of soldier brings up memory of a loss of a loved one for us. And we can sit in that pain and wait and watch and see how God will meet it with resurrection. That misattributed Martin Luther, quote, "Um, even if I knew that tomorrow the world would go to pieces, I would still plant my apple tree. Uh, The furthest that we can actually find any evidence of it being recorded is actually 1944 Germany. Um, Scholars, most of the scholars believe that the German Confessing Church, which was a church that was focused on um, trying to eradicate Nazi control out of their deep hope and resurrection and redemption. It's believed that this church used it to inspire hope and perseverance during this Nazi dictatorship. Isn't that kind of cool? Because it is a message of hope. So cultivating hope, it is work. It's choosing, despite the chaos of this world and of our lives, it's choosing to plant the bulbs and to set our sights on the bright, warm days that we won't see for many months. Our hope is in God restoring the creation, the new heavens and the new earth. And we do this despite the ever-present possibility that things will not turn out like we expect them to. Right, hope isn't some sort of fairyland like, I, I trust that I'm going to get everything I want. But it's a trust that we know that in the midst of our own personal deaths, that God met Jesus' death with resurrection, and that that is how God will meet all of our situations too. My hope is built on nothing less Then Jesus' love and righteousness. 
I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly live on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Holy God, we surrender all that we have to you, the chaos of this world, the headlines of corruption and fear, our personal lives and all the turmoil that we are fearing about the hope of the future. We put it all in your hands and we know that may, it may not turn out as we want it to, but that you are making all things new. Let us stand in patience and perseverance where we are, trusting that you know and will make all things well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.